The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. All right, welcome in to the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, it's week two of the 2018 college football season, and we are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. You are at Aaron Murray 11, and I am at Drew Butler 13. It's Thursday. We're going to get you ready to go for this weekend. We have some really good games, Aaron. I think these games could be better than some of the matchups that we witnessed in week one. We're also going to tell everybody who the Ray Guy Award punter of the week is and the Davey O'Brien Award quarterback of the week is. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. There's a big game on ESPN Saturday night, number two, Clemson and Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher getting to play his ACC foe when he was the Florida State head coach. Once again, 3.30 Saturday, our school, our alma mater, number three, Georgia, taking on number 24, South Carolina. Uh, SEC matchup, Kentucky and Florida. Going to check on Dan Mullen. And then we'll head out west and go to USC. The Trojans take on Stanford, the Cardinal, inside Stanford Stadium. That'll be on 8.30 at Fox. Where do you want to start, Aaron? Should we just jump right into it and talk about the dogs? Let's just talk about the dogs. I think that game versus South Carolina, and we can't talk enough about William Bryce Stadium. Oh, yeah. and it, is, it is one of the toughest places to play. You know it. I know it. I've never <laughs> I've never had success. I mean, every time I go there, it's just tough. It's tough to communicate. Did you ever win? The towels. No, never won at oh, William wow. Bryce Stadium. I mean, it is... It's loud. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. And it's going to be hot. It's early in the season. You're still working out kinks on both the offensive side, the defensive side of the football. It's, it's, it's going to be a rough, it's going to be a rough one. It's going to be an incredible game. I think, I think it's going to be very competitive. Love both teams. What do you think? You think the dog's got a shot? Well, yeah. So historically, this game is usually played in week two and uh, famously coach Spurrier while he was the coach of South Carolina, excuse me, said he loved playing Georgia in week two because he could always count on some top players being suspended. While true, uh, very, very funny, but let's talk about why it matters so much in week two. You just mentioned early season kinks. You're really trying to figure out who you are as a football team. You want to limit the mistakes and turnovers as much as you can. The weather. 
Aaron, the high in Columbia on Saturday is 94 degrees. Multiply that by about 15, and that's what it's going to feel like on the field. Expect literally about a heat index of 110 on the field. It's the most humid place maybe in America. It is a true home field advantage. My question to you is this, before we get into it, all right? Georgia's coming in as a double-digit favorite. They are favored by 10 points. The over-under is 57.5. It's going to be on 330. CBS game, so it'll be rowdy as all hell. Does South Carolina have enough on defense to stop UGA? Obviously, Georgia held their cards pretty close to the chest against Austin P last week. They've got a ton of speed. Jake Fromm and Justin Fields, the, the two-headed monster at quarterback, the four-headed monster at running back. Receivers all over the yard if Terry Godwin comes back, which he's ex- expected to. But then you go to the other side, and you got Debo Samuel and Jake Bentley for the Gamecocks. Those guys are looking to really make their hallmark victory of their careers while at South Carolina against Georgia. An underlying storyline, Will Muschampers, Kirby Smart, former teammates at Georgia, both Georgia football lettermen. This is going to be a great game, and there's going to be a lot to talk about while watching Nestler and Danielson break this down on CBS sports. I think my biggest matchup is looking at this game is going to be when South Carolina has the football and when Georgia's on on defense, who's going to match up on Debo Samuel. I mean, who's going to be on him every day, everywhere he goes, whether it's motions, jet sweeps. Is it going to be Deandre Baker? I think you have to, I think you have to say my best guy is Baker. Your best guy is Debo. We know what he can do. We saw the one-handed catch last week. We saw what he did in the three games last season, whether it's on special teams, whether it's running the ball, whether it's catching the ball. He's a dynamic player in this SEC. And let me let he's me. A, add, he's let a guy that can change the game. And you got, like I said, you got to put best on best. Yes. And I think that gives Georgia the best opportunity to play. I would agree with you. Let me ask you this question from a quarterback perspective, right? When I was with the Arizona Cardinals, Aaron, we would go into a big game, say against the Cincinnati Bengals with AJ Green or the Atlanta Falcons with Julio Jones, and you'd walk into that scouting meeting on Wednesday morning, and the defensive coordinator would put the top players on the board, and if they had a dynamic. Receiver, receiver like an Odell Beckham or an Antonio Brown for the Steelers, our defensive coordinator would say, Patrick Peterson, you've got him for the entire game. Does Mel Tucker and Kirby Smart give that responsibility to DeAndre Baker? Is Baker good enough, fast enough to match up with him every single play on the field? I don't know if many people are fast enough or quick enough to cover Debo like that. If you want to give him some space, you're going to be in trouble. I think Baker does have the ability to he's physical he's yeah. a physical defensive back he has the ability to get up in his grill get a bump and run knock his timing off it's gonna be a tall task i mean debo he's up there with the browns from Ole miss to the world for for talented receivers he's on a little bit of the smaller end though uh which should help kind of handle um but listen i like this offense i like this offense for south carolina i like jake bentley i think he's dynamic and if you do put too much attention on debo samuel brian edwards it's a two-headed monster at receiver for South Carolina. So they have, they do have weapons. I think they're better overall in the offense from last year. I think that was a big area of improvement. And then look at their defense. They only gave up 20 points per game last year. They lost some guys, especially in the defensive backfield. But I think their front seven is going to be able to hold their own versus, excuse me, very dominant Georgia offensive line. 
that's another area I want to see. Can Georgia's offensive line dominate the line of scrimmage this game? You would think so, and I think Georgia comes out if they do get the ball first possession again. If you've never been to williams Bryce Stadium, especially an afternoon in-conference game, it is extremely loud. It is extremely hostile. I think Georgia tries to develop the run game immediately, move the chains, try to take the crowd out of it early, you know, get that six, well, seven have, minute drive going. To. And I know that's I know that's in a perfect world, but Georgia's offensive line has the ability to set the tone early. And they've got enough depth at running back to rotate guys in and out and stay fresh. Okay. You don't you're not gonna have Jake Fromm go out there, even though he's well prepared to do so, throw the ball over the yard early. Now on the flip side, Aaron, tell me this. I could see this happening. Carolina is going to want to capitalize on the environment. Will they try something stupid early, a flea flicker to Debo, you know, some throwback screen pass, just just to try to get a trick play, huge chunk play early? No, I, I think they believe that they're good enough to beat Georgia just man on man. I don't think they're thinking, okay, we're playing the defending SEC champions, a team that was went down to the wire versus Alabama in the national championship. I think they know that Georgia's a little bit more talented, but not that significantly better that they need to pull out all the stops in order to win this football game. I think they're telling themselves, listen, we have Georgia at home. It's going to be a loud environment. We have talent on the offensive side of the football. We have talent on the defensive side of the football. We can beat these guys. They, they firmly believe that they think they can, they can go in there and use that home field advantage and do it. And, and my experience playing there. And I agree with you. Have to take out the. You have to get rid of the noise, the the fans, the loudness. The only way to do that is to get a couple first downs, yeah. get a couple first downs. And we weren't able to do that. My, I believe, junior season, they we they came out there, they scored their possession. I threw a pick the first possession, and, and then it just was all downhill from there. I think in their mind, they just like we just need to get off to a fast start, yep. a good drive of our own, maybe get a three and out. And if they can win the field position battle early and keep that that keep that crowd involved in this game, uh, I think that's a big win for them. But I, I do think though overall, Georgia is a better football team. If you want to compare position by position by position, they're deeper at every position, they're more talented at every position. But when you come to these type of rivalry games on the road, kooky things happen, yeah. and, and anything can happen this week. I I, I like the dogs. I don't think it's a double-digit kind of win. I think this is less than 10 points. Uh, I always say as a dog fan, I hope it's more, but I think this is going to be a tight game that's going to come down to the fourth quarter. Now let me ask you this because you say you know South Carolina believes that they can take care of business at home. They believe that they match up well with Georgia. And if you've been following uh, the media obsession with this game really since the offseason, I-, I can't think of a more trendy upset pick in the first half of the season than people have circled this one, even Tory Gurley, a former South Carolina player, goes on Paul Feinbaum show and says, I guarantee South Carolina wins. A lot of people are talking about South Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina is going to beat Georgia. I'm just confused as to how you get to that conclusion as objectively as possible, Aaron. I am being as unbiased as possible. I am confused as to how people are coming to this conclusion. Yes. Do they have home field advantage? Okay, go down, just go offense, defense, special teams. I see Georgia having a succinct advantage in all three phases. I really, 
honestly do. And if you're going to believe and get sucked into the media vortex, Aaron, I hear you saying you don't think Georgia's going to win by double digits. Georgia has proven to the college football world that they are a top-tier team. They are that elite top-five team. If you talk about Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, you can throw Ohio State in there. There's probably a rotating fifth team. Georgia is much better than South Carolina. And when you look at what's been going on in the media just this week, Will Muschamp gives a little bar about to Kirby Smith and says, hey, Kirby Smart, excuse me, I didn't get our depth chart, blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe that's funny, maybe it's not. Debo Samuel gets asked about DeAndre Baker. He says, who? Acting like he don't even know who the guy is. I think that I see kinks in South Carolina's armor. I think that they're going out and lashing out a little bit because they may not be as confident as they once were when watching film on Georgia and just understanding they're not there yet. They are not there yet. And this is not the Georgia teams of the early 2010s where you have to go into a big road game as a fan with both hands over your eyes trying to peek through saying, "Uh uh-oh, I hope we don't blow this one. No, no, no. This is a different team, much better, much deeper, much more sound. They're going to run the ball, Aaron. They're going to take over. And the more I look at this game, sorry to go on a rant, the more I see a 2015 Georgia versus Alabama situation. Alabama came into Sanford Stadium. Georgia was hot early on in the season. Georgia was favored to win the game. And the media was obsessed with Georgia. And Georgia got their ass beat by Alabama. That's what I see happening in this game. I really, really do, Aaron. I think Georgia takes care of business soundly. And I refuse to be stuck in the media vortex just like you, Aaron, you probably watch Hard Knocks and think the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. No, no yeah. chance in that one. Listen, I, I, I agree with you. This Georgia team is very talented. I think there's still – the defense needs to prove that they can be an Alabama defense where they can reload instead of rebuild. So, yes, they played well last week. Yes, they had a shutout. But can they do it against a, an offense that can move the ball up and down the field? Bentley, one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC. Debo is an incredible receiver. I mean, they have talent. I mean, you're you're talking like South Carolina has no talent. I mean, this team gave up 20 points per game last year. Georgia still has a lot to prove. They, they have a lot to prove on the defensive side of the football. You're thinking this team is ready to take on Alabama rematch the national championship right now. Can they be good on the defensive side of football? Yes, but they still have to prove it. This is a great opportunity for them. If they can go in there shut South Carolina up at South Carolina. I think then you start looking at this team like, man, we knew they could do it on offense. They have all the pieces on the outside side of the football. And now we know they can do it on the defensive side of the football. I know these guys are young. I know these guys are inexperienced. Now I'm a believer until they go and do that versus a good offense. I'm still going to have question marks. I think a lot of people do have question marks about this defense. Yeah, my, my biggest question mark, and I know you would agree with me on this, if you had four players from last year's team on this year's team, and I'm talking about Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Roquan Smith, and Lorenzo Carter, not from a playing perspective, Aaron, but from a leadership perspective, where they're taking in what's going on in the media this week, and they're taking it to practice and saying, guys, listen to this disrespect. 
we are better than them. We will take care of business. That senior leadership that Georgia doesn't have, they need to find it, and I hope they're finding it this week in practice, and I hope it shows up Saturday inside Williams-Brice, but I'll give you my pick right now, Aaron. I'm taking Georgia. Lay the points down. I'll stay away from the over-under at 57.5. Georgia minus 10. They take care of business, and I think it's really an opportunity for players to step up from a leadership perspective and say, Georgia's here to stay. Who you got? I got Georgia. I don't think it's going to be a 10 point game. I do think, like I said, South Carolina will be able to move the ball at times, be able to score. It, it is going to be a tough beginning of the game with the crowd. Offensively, they look good last week, but still it's early in the season. You need to work out some kinks. It's going to be, it's going to be a tall task. I think Georgia wins this game. Just the fact that they are deeper, they're stronger, they are more talented, but it's still we're talking about a very good South Carolina football team in my mind, the, the second best team in the East. So it's going to be less than ten points, but Georgia will pull it out. Awesome, awesome. And if Georgia does pull it out, um, they're going to need great punting from Jake Camarda, who had a good showing in his first game just a week ago against Austin P. But he was not a Ray guy punter of the week. He did have two touchbacks. I'll tell you right now who the Ray Guy punter of the week was. We gave you Ray's eight on Tuesday's episode. The Ray Guy punter of the week for week one in college football is former Ray Guy award winner Mitch Wisnowski from Utah. Mitch had three punts for a 47.7 average. He had zero return yards, which means his net average was 47 Point seven yards as well. He had two punts inside the 20 and a long of 58 as Utah won their season opener. Mitch is a fantastic punter, and if he keeps doing that, he will probably find himself as a finalist once again. But big-time congratulations to former Ray Guy Award winner Mitch Wisnowski from Utah. Ray Guy Award, punter of the week for week one. Aaron, please tell us who the quarterback of the week is for the Davey O'Brien Award. Oh, this was an easy decision. Uh, Will Greer, West Virginia, 429 yards, five touchdowns, and their victory over Tennessee, 40 to 14. Kind of expected that. Tennessee obviously rebuilding right now, but he took advantage of a guy that threw, I think it was 30 plus touchdowns, 32 touchdowns last year in only 10 games. He broke his hand at versus Texas missed the last two games. The high has been favored in my mind, especially being in the big 12, which it, it's a pass happy league. Defenses are so, so expect to see him throw these kind of numbers up, especially with a very talented receiving core. You should see four to five touchdowns from him almost every single week. Love watching this kid play. He's a competitor. He has the arm strength. He has the size. And I'm just happy as a dog fan that he's not the quarterback. Yeah. At Florida, because this would be a different Florida team if he, if Will Greer was still at Gainesville. Yeah. Completely different team. I mean, the guy is talented. And he, they, what were they, 5-0 and when he was there in Gainesville? He leaves, gets suspended, sits out. West Virginia has been dominating ever since. No, you're totally right, especially if he had the opportunity to link up with Dan Mullen. That would be scary. But Will Greer, awesome week. Your Davey O'Brien, quarterback of the week. All right, let's talk about a few more games. We'll touch on these quickly. Let's actually get into this one pretty deep, and then we got two more to pick after this. Number two, Clemson. The Tigers are heading to College Station, Aaron. They are taking on Texas A&M at 7 p.m. on ESPN. This is Jimbo Fisher's second game as head coach for the Aggies, and it's a big one, all right? 
Clemson's a 12 and a half point favorite. The over under is 54 and a half points. And look, Jimbo Fisher left Florida State, I thought, to get away from Clemson, Aaron. Surprise, surprise. He's got the Tigers in week two. Is Texas A&M ready for the big stage? Well, they better be ready. I think the fans are ready. I think the players mentally are ready for this game. It's going to be loud. It's going to be hostile. Kyle Field's going to be rocking 102,000 people. So I think the fans are going to keep them in this game early. I think the, the energy level, I think the players feel really confident after a great week one performance, even though it was against a lesser opponent in Northwestern State. But they look good. They look good in all facets. And, and we expect that because they had eight starters back on offense, eight starters back on defense. This is a veteran team that Jimbo inherited, a well-recruited team, a lot of players from the state of Texas and surrounding states. So plenty of talent to go out there and compete. I just don't know if they're as deep as Clemson. I don't know if they're as confident as Clemson. So I think this game could be close early. I see Clemson taking over middle of the third quarter and kindly just kind of dominating from there. The big question is, I mean, is Trevor Lawrence going to play? Is Kelly Bryant going to play the whole game? And if Kelly Bryant does play the entire game, the key for an A&M is going to get to make sure Clemson isn't third and long. If you yeah. can shut down the run game, if you can make Kelly Bryant a thrower, which he is, he's a good thrower. He's improved. I mean, he had a he for 65% last year. He made some strides this offseason. But I want to see him beat you throwing the football when it's loud, when it's a, you're, you're a little stressing as a quarterback. Put him in those situations. I think you'll give yourself a chance to win for A&M. If you're getting constant third and shorts or second and shorts, Clemson with that run game and with the dynamic playmakers they have will dominate you going forward through the rest of the game. This would definitely be a hallmark victory for Jimbo Fisher's career at A&M if he were to knock off the number two team and only a second start as head coach for the Aggies. But I look at it like this. How can A&M combat Clemson's dominant defense? Look, I know Kellen Mond had a great game, and he was successful a year ago before he battled some injuries, but... Clemson's front four and front seven really is just going to apply so much pressure to Kellen Mond, and they're going to make him make quick decisions. And I just don't see how Texas A&M can do that for 60 minutes, Aaron. You just mentioned it. I mean, it could be close early. Uh, The only way that they'd have a chance is to force Trevor Lawrence into the game, which I think will be a very interesting decision for Dabo Sweeney. Say the Tigers do get off to a slow start, Aaron. Look, Kelly Bryant's proven himself a year ago, played in some massive games, did just fine a week ago. Would Dabo throw Trevor Lawrence, an unproven true freshman, into the game in Kyle Field, rowdy environment? I mean, it would be like smelling blood in the water if they threw him in their second quarter if things aren't going well. I could see him throwing in. I think they're, they, I think they're extremely confident in Trevor Lawrence. I feel like he showed enough in spring and fall camp in that first game last week where – He's a talented kid. I mean, there's a reason why he's the number one recruit in the country. I mean, this kid can go out there and fling it. He has all the ability, and he has the weapons around him. I mean, they have a strong run game. They got uh, plenty of receivers all over the ballpark, and that that offense is is built to score a lot of points. I wouldn't, though. I I would like to keep a veteran guy in there unless he's just absolutely not getting the job done. But sometimes you have to understand you can't just go out as – as a Clemson team on the road against a good SEC team, you may not go out there and dominate. You may not go out there and score 40 plus points 
as a coach, you have to be comfortable with that, comfortable enough to understand that this is my guy. I decide I'm going to have him as my starting quarterback. We may have some games where we struggle because we're facing a good team on the road, but I'm going to stick with him because he gives us the best chance to win. You do put a young kid in there in Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be intimidating. And I don't care how good you are. That first time you play on the road in front of 102,000 people, your eyes get a little bit bigger. You start to shake a little bit more. No one's immune to getting a little nervous before a big game, especially as a young kid. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, I think Clemson wins soundly. Uh, I I know that's kind of – look, I just told you that with Georgia as well, but I'll lay the points here. I think Clemson wins by two touchdowns. Again, they're just better. There is a huge difference between the top five teams in the nation – and everyone else last season and this season again. But I go to Clemson's defense, their run game, and how they can throw the ball, obviously. But defense and run game travel, okay? And the defense will shut down Texas A&M early. Clemson will establish the run game early, take the crowd out of it. It'll be smooth sailing for the Tigers, Aaron. I'll lay the 12-and-a-half, and I think this goes under 54-and-a-half. So I'll give you two picks there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Clemson how dumb they are. It's going to show up late in this game and they're just going to kind of run away with it. It'll be that, that close game. All of a sudden you, you go to get a, you know, go grab a beer in the refrigerator and come back and Clemson's all of a sudden up by two touchdowns. Yeah. I think that's, what's going to be like later in this game. Um, whether it's getting some turnovers, a strip sack fumble, get great field position and put it in. I think it could kind of run away late. So I, I'm the same with you. I got Clemson winning it. Um, by two touchdowns, but it'll be a good game. I think this is a great day for an A&M because it shows that this team is getting better under Jimbo Fisher. They're heading in the right direction. And, and yes, they're not there yet, but at least they're being competitive when they're playing the big boys, the top five teams. I've got to give you some credit here. You went five and two in your picks last week. You only missed Miami and, and, uh, in Michigan. So that's very, very good. Great start. I was three and three. So you are kicking my ass, but well done, sir. You're getting better. You're getting, getting better. better. All right, let's touch on these two. Getting games. better. Time out, time out. Getting better. I beat you last year. You did, but you had a slow start. Now you're off to a fast I start. Slow start. Uh, you better pick it up, my friend. <laughs> better pick it up. All right, hey, touch on these two re- two games really quick for me. Kentucky goes to Florida. This game's at 7.30 p.m. on SEC Network. It's in the swamp. Is Florida on the come up? I mean, Kentucky has lost to Florida 31 straight times. Is there any chance Kentucky can win this game? No, I I think Florida, just like A&M, is going to show that they are moving in the right direction. I think Florida this week demonstrates that they are heading in the right direction right now as a football team, that this is the Florida Gators that everyone knows and loves and is excited to watch on Saturdays, not the – Florida, we've been used to seeing these past couple of years where it's like, man, this team is bad. This is not the f- dominant Florida football you envision with all the talent, with all the speed. I think we got a little glimpse of it last week. And yes, they're playing scrubs. I mean, Charleston Southern is no, no Kentucky. They're no Georgia. You expect Florida to go dominate. Well, I also expect Florida to dominate Kentucky. I think yeah. they're too skilled. They're too talented. I think now with an incredible head coach and Dan Mullen, you're going to continue to see this team go out there and win the games they're supposed to win. Now they know it. They know they should dominate, just like Georgia's mentality has changed as well. Georgia heads into games when they play the Kentuckys of the world, when they play the Vanderbilts of the world. And it's not about winning. It's about dominating. And I think Florida is now getting to that level 
So I like Florida. I like Florida big on this one. I think they're skilled. I think they're faster. I think they're stronger. I think Felipe Franks is feeling very confident in this offense right now. I look for him to have another good day in the progress with him as becoming a very good quarterback in this system. Yeah, Vegas has the Gators as a 14-point favorite. Aaron, it sounds like you're going to lay those points and say Florida wins by more than two touchdowns. I say Florida wins by more than two touchdowns, yes. All right, I'm just going to go against you here um, for no other reason than for excitement. But look, Kentucky has got to end it at some point. And I understand Felipe Franks. Last year was the year. I know, I know. Last year was the year. And and Felipe Franks threw five touchdowns in the first half just a week ago. Again, Dan Mullen trying to bring the swagger back to Gainesville. The offense was clicking. Defense, you know, who knows? But Kentucky has had this game circled all season long. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm saying they're going to cover. They're getting 14 points. They might lose by 13, but then that's a W for your boy DB. So I am excited to watch that game. I think it's the perfect game to flip back and forth through while you're tuned into that Clemson-Texas A&M battle over on ESPN. Last game, Aaron, number 17, USC, the Trojans, Go up north. They're taking on number 10, Stanford. This game's at 8.30 p.m. on Fox inside Stanford Stadium. Stanford is a five-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under is 56-and-a-half points. And a guy that you have your eye on, true freshman quarterback JT Daniels, the quarterback for the Trojans. You think he's ready for a big conference matchup on the road and only his second start? It's going to—I mean, the kid's supposed to be in high school still. He had a good first game last week versus UNLV— and we know the South Carolina team is always going to be very talented, has some a great supporting cast around him. But it is different playing on the road against Stanford. And then you look the next week, then he has to go on the road versus Texas. Like I said, the kid should still be in high school. So I'm impressed. I'm excited to see what he can do against a very, as we always know, a very stout Stanford team. But Stanford, they're going to have to be able to run the ball early. Bryce Love last week could not get going for San Diego State, did not have – his Heisman game one that we were all expecting. So I think they're going to kind of get him going early, get the offensive line going. I mean, they got a lot of starters back on the offensive side. I'm expecting more from him and that entire unit. So they're going to have to dominate the line of scrimmage, put some pressure on the quarterback. I think he'll be fine. I think JT Daniel for USC, I think he's going to, he's going to have a decent day, but still first game on the road. He's going to be a little nervous. And I think Stanford's a good football team. I think they can dominate the line of scrimmage. So I got Stanford winning this football game. But I am going to say I'm going to be very impressed with this kid. He's not going to have an incredible day, but he's going to have a good day. And I think we're all going to be shocked. Man, this kid should still be getting ready for prom. Instead, he's playing against Stanford. You know, K.J. Costello, Stanford's quarterback, is really kind of being overlooked by Bryce Love, who is a legitimate Heisman contender. He was a finalist a year ago. Quick question for you, yes or no, really. Is Stanford a legitimate top 10 team? I mean, they couldn't even run the ball a week ago. (sighs) Yeah, they couldn't at all. I mean, San Diego State, good football team, but they're a group of five team. They're not a power five team. You don't expect them to go out there and and have the day they did versus Stanford. But it's it's still week one, and we always talk about that, that you do have kinks to work out. More so on the offensive side. Usually offenses take a little bit longer to get going. There's more involved uh, than, say, the defensive side. I'm not too worried about it. I think they're going to come out this week and get back to their old form that we saw them last year, be able to run it, 
dominate the line of scrimmage and let Bryce Love have a field day. No, I would agree with you there. And I, and I think Stanford is seeing an opportunity to get a leg up in the Pac-12. If they take care of business and beat a top 25 USC Trojan football team, they're looking good for the rest of the season, okay? And, and there's a few top teams in the Pac-12, Stanford obviously being one of them. Get this W here, put a lot of emphasis on it early in the season, and then start to put it in cruise control and take care of business. So I'll lay the five and a half points, Aaron. I think Stanford is a sound football team. I think they probably got back in the film room. They're going to put a lot of ownership on the offensive line to create some running game and take care of business against the Trojans. So I'll lay the five and a half points. I think Stanford wins. What do you got? Uh, I'm with you on this one. I think Stanford wins uh, at home, young QB. I think the run game is going to be much improved from week one. So they're going to eat up the time of possession. They're going to force USC to kind of press a little bit on the offensive side, try to throw the ball early or even try to come back to make up for a strong running game from the other team. So that's why I don't like that. For JT Daniels, I got Stanford win this game. Um, same as you. I, I'll take the points. All right. There it is. Give me one thing that you're most looking forward to seeing this weekend before we get out of here. Ooh, man. Um, I think some of these now we had that first week, which was exciting because you're playing, you know, non-conference games, these big Washington versus Auburn's and Miami and LSU's. Now you start diving in the games that really mean something, the, the conference games. So, do these teams take it up a notch? You know, I know they can get excited for week one. You're playing, but you're still playing a non-conference game. These rivalry games, these games within your conference mean way, 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 way more. So I'm excited to see the improvements uh, and see if these teams can clean up some of the sloppiness that we saw in week one, especially the penalties um, and all that good stuff, the turnovers. Usually that, those go down and down as the season go on. Yeah, I'm just excited to see some of these conference matchups. Like you said, I mean, week one's cool. The interconference stuff is fun to experience, especially from a neutral field standpoint. But look, you got Georgia, South Carolina. You got SC, Stanford, Kentucky, Florida. This is what college football is all about, and this is why it is the best sport because every single week matters. So when 330 Saturday rolls around and Georgia and South Carolina are playing. That's what I'm most excited to see. And I'm excited to see Georgia's first offensive series. It will be between five and seven minutes. The dogs will pound the rock, take the crowd out of it. And again, this is objective, people. Georgia's going to roll this week, and I'm excited to see it because they are markedly better than South Carolina. So get used to it, people. Aaron. Week two, we're getting ready to roll, punting pass, just getting started for 2018. Anything on the way out, my man? No, I'm about to take off for Boca. Got, go, baby. If anyone wants to tune in, actually, Facebook paid a boatload of money for CBS this year to put some games on Facebook. So I'll be covering the Air Force at FAU game, I believe, at 2.30 Saturday. So if you want to get a little triple option action in before the Georgia-South Carolina game, pull up your laptop, pull up your phone. Go to the game, watch your boy a little bit, call the triple option. There you go. It'll be a fun game. Hopefully it doesn't rain. 100% chance of rain down there in Boca. Oh, yeah. So I'm a little nervous for weather delays and all that stuff. But good thing is I'll have my iPad. It wants to delay. I'll just tune on to CBS and watch a little Georgia, South Carolina. No doubt, man. Well, hey, you can count on me. I'll be tuned into Facebook 2.30 to watch FAU play Air Force 4. 
Sure. He's Aaron Murray. I'm Drew Butler at Aaron Murray at Drew Butler 13. Thank you for listening to Punt and Pass at Punt and Pass. We will see you on Monday. See you.